0: And my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it.
1: We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal. You know that. Fire! Just like last but time. states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly
0: important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its twenty electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining
1: factors in the race.
0: Joseph, Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. oh
1: Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania.
0: We're starting our discussion in Northwest PA with Erie County Executive Kathy Dalpemper. You know, starting with her time in Congress and now two terms as County Executive, she has a very unique perspective on this region. Erie was one of three pivot counties. In 2012, it went for Obama. In 2016, it went for Trump. Last November, just by a sliver, it went to Biden. Over the course of the last year, there was lots of reporting on Northampton and Luzerne counties, the other two pivot counties, but less so on Erie. So I'm really looking forward to our discussion, getting a better sense of the changes in recent years, activities on the ground in the lead up to last November, and how Erie County is building back better.
1: Why this was so remarkable that this particular area went ahead and voted for Mr. Trump?
0: Yeah, this was one of those counties, like many counties in Pennsylvania, that showed this really dramatic shift. It had gone for President Obama four years ago, it had been blue, and then by a double digit digit change, it had gone for Donald Trump. And I even noticed on election night counties like Erie, where Donald Trump was winning by just a few thousand votes, but it was consistent, where he had made these flips. County Executive Kathy Dahlkemper, welcome to my kitchen table.
1: Well, thank you. It's great to be with you here at your kitchen table virtually.
0: (laughs) Look, I wish I was up there uh, on Presque Isle and uh, in beautiful Erie County and enjoying some of uh, the wines and other such things. But uh, soon, 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 soon.
1: We are the Riviera of Pennsylvania. There we (laughs) go. There we go. If you haven't been here, have to come up. You'll be, I think, pleasantly surprised at how beautiful it is.
0: Well, we have, uh, we're honored to have listeners all over the Commonwealth, and uh, certainly in Washington, New York, and elsewhere, uh, but we have room to grow in Northwest PA. So we're excited to start this uh, series of Northwest PA conversations with you, and you have such an incredible uh, perspective. So uh, we first met uh, more than a decade ago when you uh, were, were running for Congress, and I'm wondering if you look back over the last 10 to 12 years, if you can kind of share with listeners, what are some of the biggest changes that have happened in, in Erie County?
1: Wow, a lot has changed. And a lot is very similar. But I think what's happened in Erie County over the past uh, decade or so is that the community truly has decided that we have to create our own destiny. We cannot wait for the federal government or the state government to come riding in on their white horse and save us from really the economic uh, downturn that's been going on here for generations, honestly, probably since the 70s. And so there's just a, been a lot of great planning that's going on. And some of those plans have been implemented and many are in the middle of implementation. It was interesting just the other day, had some friends come back who hadn't been here in a long time and they drove down our main street, which is State Street. And they said, what has happened to this town? It looks like it's dying. And I said, oh, no, no, that's all progress. So there's all these things under construction. Um, We have this beautiful Warner Theater and the whole marquee is down. And that's one of the things they noticed. The marquee is being restored to its 1930s beautiful, uh, lighted uh, entity. And so there's a lot happening. And so I'm excited that this community finally has decided to come together collaboratively to really look at things from more of an abundance mindset versus a scarcity mindset, which I think we did for way too long. And there really is abundance right now is there's a lot of federal and state funding to help us get out of this pandemic and the economic downturn that happened so great things are happening here
0: that's excellent to hear and I want to touch on uh, some of these recovery funds uh, in a moment but as you know I'm originally from the Lehigh Valley and economically I think there's been a lot of similarities but my ears perked up when you said planning when you're referring to planning is it adjacent counties is it even crossing state lines is it the city of Erie and adjacent townships and boroughs I mean to what degree is there a regional mindset
1: so there is a regional mindset, although that needs to expand. And there's been some actually recent talk about that. You know, one of the things with Erie County is we tend to align more almost East and West. So into Ohio, into New York, Chautauqua so and Ashtabula counties, sometimes more than we do line into the rest of the Commonwealth because we are a Great Lakes County and we align with the Great Lakes often in terms of our economy. But I think a lot of the collaboration, a lot of this working together is within the county. And it really wasn't happening before, honestly. You know, um, municipalities weren't working together and they obviously touch each other's borders. And nobody who's driving thinks about, well, now I'm in Mill Creek or now I'm in Summit. You know, they just call the whole area Erie. So, but the plans have been, first of all, regional. We started with something called Destination Erie. Um, which is now referred to as Emerge 2040. And that was a five-county planning effort. Then the city of Erie did a great new comprehensive plan. And, you know, when you say plans, a lot of people think of those plans that get done, get put on the shelf and collect a lot of dust. These plans are very workable. They are being implemented. And then um, the county's planning department has been working with many of our other municipalities to create their comprehensive plans again very much implementable plans the downtown partnership the Erie arts and culture so just a numerous organizations but the thing is they're all talking to each other so to make sure that the plans do have a coordination an example would be Mill Creek Township and the city of Erie both have this corridor called West 8th Street and they're working collaboratively on that corridor to make sure that it's a welcoming entrance into Our community from the airport, for example, maybe the way a lot of people come in. So again, it's regional, but a lot of it is within the county itself.
0: That's excellent to hear. That certainly has been the the mantra over the last uh, 15 years or so in the Lehigh Valley, where counties are collaborating and then all these small townships and the chamber and other bodies are coordinating with DCED. And, but anyhow, you, you referenced, and look, this podcast is primarily about politics, but politics and policy, for better or worse, are interrelated. But you referenced uh, the funds, ARP funds, and would love to begin to unpackage that because all this vision of 2040 is Impossible without uh, without funding, be it from Harrisburg or from the feds.
1: That's right. You know, obviously, I'm I'm glad to see that earmarks are kind of back in Washington. When I was in Congress, we got a fairly large earmark for um, a couple things, but one was a hospital in Cory, which is uh, in the su- southeastern corner of our county, and it's a rural hospital that serves not only Erie County but Warren and Chautauqua, and is very important to the people who live in that region. Some of those projects are difficult to get done without some specific help from Washington, from your member of Congress who who understands your region. So I am glad to see some of that back. But the funding that's now come forward through the American Rescue Plan and hopefully soon in an infrastructure bill, and I know there's other funding sources that are looking to be passed down in Washington, are going to go a long way to help our community. But what we know and what I've been really preaching heavily is this is just the tip of the iceberg of the funding. The funding that we got directly. So the county, for example, is getting 52 million within the two-year cycle of that funding coming in. We have a little over 26 million that's already come in. The city of Erie is getting 76 million. Mill Creek Township, our larger, largest township, has got 6.1 million, and then every municipality got something through the DCED. Our transit authorities, the our bus authority and our airport authority, both are getting funding, and of course, all of our school districts. So all told, it's um, you know well over $275 million coming into our community. I want to see us take that that money and double, triple, quadruple it. And, and there's an opportunity to do that. So let's make sure we're using the other buckets of ARP funding that's out there, whether it be for broadband or behavioral health or whatever it might be. Let's make sure we're going after the Appalachian Regional Commission money, which we haven't done a good job of doing, and we are part of that Appalachian area where the end of it, uh, basically. Let's make sure we're, you know, tapping into the state money better than we have. EDA has got, what, 10 times the budget that they normally have. So, there's great opportunities here. And of course, as I already mentioned, the infrastructure bill. So, that's what we're looking at. And what we're doing with a small portion of our money is we're creating a community future center. And it's not a bricks and mortar. It's really more of a brain center. And we're looking to bring on three people who will there'll be a lead who will be the person out there making sure they understand all the different projects going on. And those may be governmental projects, nonprofits, for-profits. They need to understand what's going on in the community as a whole. And then we'll have two individuals, one who will be really well-versed in federal funding and always looking for those pots of money and the other to be really well-versed in state funding. And so they're going to be out there seeking the money, not just for county government, but for our municipalities, for our nonprofits, and for really any good project going on in Erie County,
0: that's exciting to hear. As I referenced, we have quite a few listeners in Washington, and I imagine many of them are on Capitol Hill. So uh, it's it's good. And yeah. you know, as as you know, sometimes folks vote and they forget about it, or they actually hear real granular what's happening. Did I understand correctly that the city of Erie is getting more than the county?
1: Yeah. yeah so that's say, a-
0: just just explain that. That seems a little odd.
1: So oh, the National Association of Counties, you know, which we're a member of, was very instrumental, along with the National League of Cities, in getting the local funding directly. Because um, in CARES, if you were under five hundred thousand population, you got your money through the state. So now, if you're fifty thousand and up, well, all counties across the nation are getting the money directly, and any municipality who's fifty thousand and up is getting the money directly from. It. So you don't have to go through that extra layer of state uh, bureaucracy. So we're very, very excited about that. So when that was negotiated and worked out, the National Association of Counties um, said they wanted this to be divided per capita. So it's purely on your population and how much you get. The National League of Cities wanted it divided by CDBG funding. So your current formula for CDBG. My understanding is, from talking to my friends at NACO, is that uh, Senator Moynihan, way back in the day, was able to do the CDBG funding so that those cities in the more in the Northeast really got a better formula. So the cities in the Northeast are actually getting more money, but if you go out to a county in the Midwest or the West, the counties are getting more money than their than their municipalities are. So that's how that happened. But good for us here in the Northeast that our cities are getting so much money.
0: A lot of listeners know but CDBG is Community Development Block Grants. So I think it would also be helpful for listeners because you know, across the Commonwealth area is uh, a little distinct in terms of governance. So you're a county executive elected for a four-year term and you have a, uh, a council, uh, whereas a lot of folks have three commissioners on a county level. So if you could speak to the uh, the governance of the county.
1: Sure. You know, one of the things we always say, if you've met one county, you've met one county. And I have found that to be very true. Counties are all very unique. But in Pennsylvania, there's four county executives. So four counties, Lehigh, Northampton, Allegheny and Erie that have opted for this form of government where you have a strong executive leader and a county council who's really your legislative branch. So they do hold the purse strings. My budget has to go to them to be approved any expenses and revenue and has to be approved by them any changes in that. But the county executive is like the mayor of the county. It's the best way to explain it. You know, we run the county, we do have that executive role. Yeah, I think there's only seven, maybe eight counties that have done a home rule. Form of government, some have a little bit of a different bent than what we have, but there are four of us who have a very similar form of government versus the three commissioners that most of the counties, I think 60 counties in Pennsylvania have the three commissioner system. Of course, Philadelphia is a county and a city combined, so it's it's unique in its own sense.
0: You can say that again. It's a world unto itself. This podcast <laughs> has touched every region of the Commonwealth and we, uh, for a variety of reasons, have not touched the city of Philadelphia. But if you could just, because as I said, we're still growing our listenership in Northwest PA, uh, just remind folks what the breakdown of council is.
1: So the council is a seven member council. They each, re- they each represent a district uh, and that's done by population. And so we currently have three Republicans and four Democrats on that council. And um, prior to the last election, uh, the last local election, which was two years ago, it was uh, five Democrats and two Republicans. It's been I don't really know when Republicans have had the majority on council. I don't know if they ever have. It may have been the early days. We've had this form of government government since 1978. I think we were the second county to go to a county executive council form of government. I think Northampton might have been the first.
0: Well, as a proudly have ally son, I'm, I'm always happy to hear who uh, we're first in something. So, and I think you are correct. So uh, just remind folks, it's a four-year term and these are part-time positions for you, the councilmen and women?
1: Council are all part-time, yes. They make about $10,000 a year. I was at a five-hour meeting with them last night, so they make about a quarter an hour. I think <laughs> it's, it's really not much, um, but the county executive position is definitely a full-time job. You know, we have uh, twelve hundred employees, a four hundred fifty million dollar budget. All of that, you know, I shouldn't say all the employees fall directly under me because, of course, that that includes the courts and and the other row offices. But about eight hundred plus employees would fall directly under the county executive, and then we oversee the financial the hr you know all the back administrative work that happens for county government is under the county executives purview so yeah it's a it's a big job it's a lot lot of work but it's it's great work and i, I tell you what i was in congress for a couple of years phenomenal experience loved my time down there feel like i really made a difference i voted for the Obamacare and uh, the ACA, and I also are authored the piece where children get to stay on their parents' health insurance until they're 26, so I'm very proud of that, but I love county government, and um, this is uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. Uh, in county government, you can actually make things happen every single day, and it's great. It's great opportunity. I've, I've loved being the county executive. This is my eighth year. I could run for one more term. We are term limited to three terms. I have made the decision to step down. So I only have about 170 more days left, but who's counting? And, uh, you know, there will be a new county executive next year here in Erie County.
0: We have a lot of student listeners, so I hope they took to heart what you said, that incredible provision that really is uh, life-changing on so many levels. And you had alluded to just how purple Erie County is. Uh, And I think folks uh, know that Erie... uh, was one of those those pivot counties was the term that's thrown around Washington, that it was an Obama-Biden county, then it was a Trump-Pence county, and then it, by a small, small sliver, flung back to a Biden-Harris county. So if you could speak to just big picture, I mean, why do you think nowadays Erie is so purple?
1: Actually, Erie has been purple for a long time and maybe hasn't always shown up in the presidential elections. But if you go back to look at the county executive races, Four years ago, I won by, I think it was 310 votes back in other races when there's been strong candidates on both sides. The margin has been sometimes just a little over 100 votes. So we are truly a purple county in a purple state. The bellwether, I think the way Erie County goes is is pretty much the way it goes on the federal level when you look at the presidential elections. Why are we like that? Well, we have an urban core you know, the city of Erie, and it's very, very democratic in terms of registration and and how it votes. The city, you can always be assured the city will vote for the Democrat. But once you start getting outside the city, you get into suburbia, that becomes much more difficult to ascertain which way they're going to go. I always say what races are often won or lost in Mill Creek, which is our largest township, that um, surrounds the city on a, on a couple sides. And then as you get out into the more rural areas, it becomes very red with just a few splotches of blue. Um, Edinburgh would be a, a different, that would be blue, but that's often because of the university that's there. And so, you know, we have it all here. We have a very rural you know, we, we border Crawford County. If anyone knows Crawford County, it's a very, very red county. And so, and Warren County, which is also a very red county. And, you know, I used to represent all of that area when I was in Congress. And so, it's an area that I think is very much reflective of what the country is. And we are very divided, just like the country is now. Um, and it has been for a while, but it's become more divided. And I, I remember you know, sitting at a breakfast meeting with Speaker Pelosi back in my time in Congress, and she was talking about something, and I don't remember what this issue was, but I I said, Madam Speaker, with all due respect, you really don't understand Northwest Pennsylvania, and Northwest Pennsylvania is probably pretty reflective of the Midwest, and I think that's something important for your listeners. Western Pennsylvania is Midwest. The Lehigh Valley is East Coast, and that is Pennsylvania. We are very different from the East to the West, and so and Northwest Pennsylvania is certainly a Midwest county in in terms of its makeup and its thinking and, and its values. People here have often feel like they've been forgotten, that we've had so many struggles. You know, industry has left here for a multitude of reasons. We had a lot of great corporations. People could just walk down the street any day and get a job working at some manufacturing facility and they could make a great living wage have a fishing boat, maybe have a hunting cabin, you know, put their kids through college. That dream for so many people left many years ago. And so this region has truly struggled. We are not growing. The only growth we've had, the reason why we've been more stable in our population is because of the new Americans. And we do call them new Americans here. And um, we love our new Americans. They've come in from Not so much Latinx countries, but Middle East, Africa, Asia. We have a lot of Bhutanese, Nepalese, Syrians, Nigerians, um, Somalis. So they have helped to keep our population stable. But of course, during the last four years, as fewer people were allowed to come into our country, we've also lost some population because we haven't been bringing in new Americans. After Philadelphia, we're the second largest resettlement area. We had been traditionally in Pennsylvania for a while. So there's a lot. Um, there's a lot to this community, but I think we are very reflective of the country as a whole. And in fact, back in the day, they used to come in here with new products and test them in Erie County because they thought we were so reflective of the country.
0: How about that? I, I did not know that. I, I did know about the the diversity, the, the new Americans. I love that term. And in my understanding is that the Biden-Harris ticket did more outreach and did uh, just put campaign investment behind it to engage first-generation Americans and bring them into the political process and build the coalition that was was responsible for victory. But if you could speak maybe to that, uh, I mean, that was a diverse list of countries, and you referenced the refugee resettlement program, but some of those countries have probably never experienced a eerie winter. But it is, it is something that I think statewide candidates, uh, of which we have several who listen to the show, uh, should really take to heart because these are, it's really a voting demographic that unfortunately gets too overlooked.
1: It very much is. And, and and they are very engaged. Once they become an American citizen, they are engaged. They, they register to vote and they are out there. It's not a group to be ignored. And so the other thing I'll say about Erie just in general, but with that population and every population, show up. If you come to Erie, you're going to have a good chance of winning. Hillary Clinton never came. I don't know how many times I called that campaign and said, you've got to get her here. She never came to Erie County. And This community loved the Clintons. I mean, they showed up at 1230 in the morning when Bill Clinton was running out at the airport in droves, you know. So that was a that was a big mistake on the Democratic Party and the Clinton campaign's point when and that year. Trump came. Trump here. He was here. He was here twi- You know, for both campaigns. But Biden showed up too. And I always tell any candidate uh, running for a statewide office, you have to come to Erie. You don't have to come all the time, but you got to come and you got to get out there and shake some hands because people's neighbors will know that if they met you, that you were here. And people will say, well, at least they came to our community and they cared enough about Erie County We have enough of a voting block that I think it's important to any statewide candidate to consider not just the two urban centers, which we know is always the big focus, Philly and Pittsburgh, but not to forget about Lehigh Valley, right? Not to forget about Erie County and some of these other center county and these other kind of large voting blocks.
0: You've been super generous with your time. And as we wind down, uh, I seem to recall that one of the first in-person events that candidate Biden did was up there in Erie with uh, organized labor very much playing a, a role. So if you could speak to uh, the role of organized labor in Erie politics and just the community at large, so and obviously gonna... any war any stories and thoughts on uh, that, <laughs> that particular event.
1: Organized labor is still very uh, strong in our community. We don't have GE here anymore, but we have Wabtec. They have uh, you know bought out Erie uh, GE's transportation division. Uh, they are our second largest employer. They're a very strong UE union there. Of course, in the public sector, it's very uh, strong, but we also have a lot of trades um, that are very strong here. So they they still play, I think, a very significant role in the politics of Erie County. And um, and you'll even see that on Republican candidates up here trying to gain the favor of some of the unions, and sometimes they're successful in doing that, because it will help in this community. You know, in many ways, we're still sort of a blue collar community, even this, you know, a lot of the small shops are unionized. And so union politics are alive and well in Erie County and, and very important for anyone who wants to campaign up here.
0: Well, I'm certainly glad to hear that. I think a lot of our listeners are as well. So a final question, and for a variety of reasons, which is probably a whole other discussion, we don't get a lot of statewide candidates uh, out of Erie. Governor Ridge certainly was an exception. But, you know, I do anticipate and I hope and I just saw that bell for example is going to be up there uh, as the show's airing but i do hope the candidates are going to be up there and regularly engaging with voters in the lead up to the the primary so what would you say if you had a crystal ball in the lead up to the primary and then through next november what are the top issues that folks on main street or eighth
1: street you suggested uh are talking about i think it always goes back to the economy right it's it, now We have a new community college here. That was a huge struggle to get that community college, first one in Pennsylvania since the 90s. And so workforce is a huge issue, as it is many other places. But our businesses have been crying on the workforce issue for a very long time, way before COVID-19 hit. So I think workforce is definitely an issue they would want to address. And again, with our new opportunity with the community college, address uh, maybe anything they might be doing in that realm. You know, so there's talking about free community college across the United States. That would be huge for us as as this college gets up and running. And I think, you know, the opportunities for broadband is, That's still an issue here, um, as it is in many other areas that have rural populations, found so many people who couldn't connect during this pandemic. And so the connectivity piece is also another thing that people should not ignore. And I think, how do we make it affordable? Because that's the problem in the urban area, which I know is the same across the Commonwealth and across this nation.
0: Well, thanks so much. Yeah, and regarding broadband, we had an excellent discussion with State Representative uh, Pam Snyder uh, in the other corner of Western PA in Greene County, and there was a heavy focus on broadband. Uh, so really appreciate everything that you have uh, done over more than a decade uh, uh, for our Commonwealth, and thanks so much for your time.
1: Hey, thank you. It's been great talking with you, and uh, come on up to Erie, everyone. It's it's absolutely beautiful, no matter what season. We'll always <laughs> have a good time. You <laughs> and bet. we have to plow our roads, so don't be afraid to come in the winter.
0: <laughs> here, hear. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Political Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.